0: You're listening to the Elvis Ultimate Fan Channel Podcast, the channel that is devoted 100% to the life and career of the biggest selling recording artist of all time, with your host, Steve Francis.
1: Hi everyone, and welcome once again to Elvis, the Ultimate Fan Channel. In the first part of my interview with Sam Thompson, we spoke about him meeting Elvis Presley, when his sister Linda began dating him in 1972 and how he subsequently became good friends with Elvis and eventually began working security for him at Graceland and on tour. I've provided a link to that interview in the description box. In this concluding part of the interview, we pick up the story with Sam discussing Elvis's use of prescription medications now there's an, another subject which uh, the, the media seem to obsess over and fans and, and it it's almost tiresome now but i think we do have to mention it was the medications that elvis uh, took throughout his life um was was that ever uh, an issue or was that ever discussed between you and him
0: yeah, yeah i mean you know i was certainly um, became aware of it because uh, uh, in, in the 77 for sure you know he was he was taking a lot more medication and there were times when um it was pretty evident you know during the show and uh and i was i was there in baton rouge louisiana whenever the show had to be canceled and um that show had actually already started at the arena at the venue and i was up in the suite waiting to take elvis over when uh uh, it was decided that he could not perform Mm. so we had to get our pilots and fly back to memphis and elvis entered baptist hospital so you know i mean i Uh, I I, I was certainly aware that there were problems there. Uh, It did get to the point. We were in, uh, uh, we went to Hawaii in 77, I think it was March, for a vacation. And while we were over there, uh, Ed Parker was talking to, in my presence, was talking to Elvis. We had rented a house in uh, Kailua, and and, uh, Ed was talking to, to Elvis about taking a few months off. And and he was pretty blunt with Elvis about the pills and he said, you know, you need to get healthy again and and if you'll come over here and stay a few months and you know, and you know, just exercise and eat well and you basically quit taking the pills. And Elvis thought that was a great idea. And he actually said he would do it. Mm -hmm. And so we get back to Memphis and I went upstairs to see Elvis about something, and he was clearly taking some pills. And I, I don't know why I said what I did, but I just told him, I said, you know, you, you really need to remember what you told Ed and I in Hawaii. And you really need to not take these pills are not good for you. And he bluntly told me, he said, well, I need the pills for my medicine. I don't need you. You're fired. Wow. And I, I was stunned for just a moment. And so I left and I went home. And oddly enough, that night, uh, one of the guys <laughs> called me. I think it was Charlie Hodge. It was Charlie. Charlie called me and he said, hey, we're going to go to the movies tonight. And I knew the projectionist down there at the Memphian Theater. And I forgot the movie. But he said, Elvis wants to see this movie. He wants you to call the projectionist. I said, Charlie, Elvis fired me today. He said, oh, no, no, I'm I'm sure he didn't. I said, yeah, I'm pretty sure he did. I was there. You know, (laughs) And uh, he said, oh, I'll, I'll call you back. So the phone hangs up. A few hours later, I answer the phone and uh it was elvis and he just said it's me and that's what he would do he wouldn't say hey sam how's the family it, i would say hello and he'd say it's me <laughs> and i of course by then i knew that's what he did was you know he talked to you on the phones. i said well hey elvis he said look he said uh i need you to come over here and talk to me and i said okay so living right next door you know i went over there <laughs> and he was upstairs in his bedroom and we had a real heart-to-heart conversation and uh he, he just told me that he, it was medication. He needed it and he had to have it. And, uh, he understood that I was concerned about him, but he, he said, I, I, I need you. And, and by this time, you got to remember that the, the book by, by red Sonny and Dave was about to come out and he knew that. And, and he was upset with that. And he, 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 he used words with me about feeling betrayed and that type of thing. Now I'm not saying any of that's true. I'm just telling you what Elvis told me. And, uh, <laughs> And he said, you know, I really need you to stay. And and uh, and so I, I agreed to stay. He said, but I don't. It was kind of funny because he said, but I don't ever want us that, that subject to come up again. And I said, well, here's the thing, Elvis. I said, you need at least somebody around here that's going to tell you the truth. And I'm not saying anybody else doesn't, but I will tell you that I will. And I said, I think you need to, you know, cut down the pill usage and get off of it. And he said, well, I don't want to hear that anymore. I said, well, then don't hire me back. I said, because I can go to work tomorrow morning back to the sheriff's department. And, uh, and I said, that's not my preference, but I said, if you hire me, I said, I'm going to speak my mind and let you know what I think, because I care about you. Mm. Um, now he just sat there for a second and he stood up and he took off this big diamond ring and he put it on my finger and gave me a big, big hug. And he said, good, you're hired back. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> and and we, we just left it at that. Yeah. And, uh you know, and from time to time I would you know, say a word or give him a disapproving look or something like that. And he'd just smile and shake his head, you know, but you know, you know, I think Dave Hebler had the greatest line at a press conference. After this book came out, he said, you cannot protect a man from himself. Mm, and yes. that's really true. Yeah. I would, I could, I, I could have stepped in front of a bullet for Elvis Presley and would have, that was my function. But, uh, You just can't control what a person does. And, and, you know, I know there's a book out there about Elvis took these pills because he had medical conditions and this and that. I I don't know. I'm not a physician, Mm. Uh, but uh, I don't know why he took the pills that he did. I know what he told me. He said that it started for him in the army. He told me that when he was uh, in the military in Germany, that it was in the wintertime and he would be on maneuvers and that the army gave him. Uh, amphetamines to keep them awake at night. That's what he told me, and uh, he said from there he decided that he really liked them. And then when he went to Hollywood, that he liked to stay up, you know, all night, and, and then had to be on the set in the morning. So he just kept taking them. So that, I don't, I, I'm I'm just assuming that's true because that's what the man told me. But uh, I don't know why he took what he took, but um, and and I can't, not being a doctor, I can't say that that. Facilitated or was the cause of his death? That, that's certainly still under debate. But uh, but uh, he 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 did take a lot of pills. There's no question about that.
1: Okay. As soon as you've mentioned his death, maybe we should touch on the events of the 16th of August uh, and what you remember about that day and, and and the days after.
0: Well, I was at home. I, my, uh, we had been to uh, Lisa Marie was visiting Elvis Presley and at the mansion and, you know, they were, he and his wife were divorced and so they had joint custody of the daughter. And Lisa was supposed to be there, I think only a week or so, but she's, I think by this time had been there three weeks because Elvis really loved having her around and we had rented out the fairgrounds. And uh, that's the night I had to ride the Zippin' Pippin' about 20 times with Lisa and Elvis.
1: <laughs>
0: and I, I thought I was going to die, but uh, that was Elvis's favorite ride, and, and that was Lisa's ride, too. But anyway, we um, I was at home, and my function that time was to take Lisa Marie back to, to um, Priscilla. Hmm. And so I was going to pick her up at the mansion, and we were going to be driven to the airport. We were going to fly commercially. Uh, and uh, to uh, LA and then uh, Sir Gerald at London town livery was going to pick us up and take us to Beverly Hills. And I would return her to Priscilla. And then I would meet Ed Parker at the airport at LAX and we would fly to Portland, Maine and catch the tour. So it was going to be a pretty long day, you know? And uh, so I, I was at Graceland the night before discussing that with Elvis. And I don't know. I think I, I left before he went to play racquetball, so whatever time that was. He, I was there when he went to Dr. Hoffman. He left, and, and he didn't want to take any security. Dick Grove was there, too, and uh, we both stood up and said, well, we'll go with you, and he said, no, no, we're fine. And I think uh, Billy Smith, his cousin, and, and Joe, his wife, and Elvis, and I think Ginger, uh, they all went, and uh, and that wasn't uncommon for Elvis. You know, at night and and in Memphis, and he knew where he was going, and so he—that's what he wanted to do. So he was the boss, and so he went, and uh, and I was there when he came back, and that's when I went upstairs. He wanted to talk to me about going to, you know, pick up Lisa and all of that, and so we went over the details of that, uh, and then he said he was going to go play racquetball. And so, you know, we, and and that night he told me he said, you know, he said this is going to be a great tour. He said, "I'm really." He said, "I'm really looking forward to it." And he was in high spirits. He felt good, said he did, uh, and uh, was pretty animated about the tour. And uh, we said good night, and I went home to get some sleep. And the next day, uh, I was I got up and it was it, it got. And actually, my father came over to pick me up. Uh, he was driving a, a blue Lincoln Continental that Elvis actually had given Linda. And, uh, my parents were using it. And so my dad picked me up in it to drop me at Graceland. And when we drove up the gate, um, my recollection is David Stanley was in a little Brown Datsun and he was coming down the driveway, uh, pretty good speed. And so we pulled over to avoid him. And as he pulled up beside us, he sort of shouted, have you heard Elvis? Elvis is dead. And, uh, we just sat there for a second. He left. And then we sat there for a second. And I I was in the passenger side. So I, my, and I I looked at my father, I said, what did he say? And I said, my father said, I think he said Elvis died. And I said, what? And as we came up the hill, I could see the ambulance there at the front door. And I immediately thought it was Vernon. And I thought, well, that's what David meant, you know, because Vernon had a bad heart and we all knew that. And, uh, so I thought, oh no, something has happened, you know, Mister Presley. So my, I had my dad pull around the back, and I just said, just just wait here for me. And I went in the back door, and of course, when I did, um, it was just pandemonium. It was a number of, of the guys were in there, and uh, Billy and Joe, and uh, uh, I think Tish Henley and Doctor Nick was there, and Vernon was sitting in in a. Uh, uh, really you know, up on that landing, sort of where Elvis had recorded uh, the uh, Jungle Room sessions, I guess. And he was in a high back chair, and he was just sobbing and moaning. And when I walked in the back door, he looked at me and he said, "Oh, Sam, Sam, you know, my 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 boy's gone. You don't have to go now. There's no point going going. You going. know." And I didn't know what was going on, so I got up there and, and Mr. Presley should have hugged me, and I. Just sort of st- stood back for a moment, and uh, you know, it's kind of surreal remembering all that, Steve. Actually, right now, just talking about it, but uh, it was, I guess, I was just in a bit of a fog like this can't be real. And I, I remember Dr. Nick was there, and uh, I looked at him and I said, Nick, what happened? And Nick just shook his head, he said, I don't know, I just don't know. And uh, we were all just sort of mumbling and standing around, and then I remembered. There was a nine-year-old girl there that I was responsible for, and I and I didn't know where she was. And I asked a couple of people, and they didn't know where she was. So I walked through the house, and uh, when I got to the, the foyer, the foyer by the front door, I could hear her voice. And she was talking to uh, – I didn't know who she was talking to, but she said, No, no, Linda, my dad, he's really dead. They told me – and this is what I heard her say. This is what I heard her say. She said, he. they told me he suffocated in the carpet and he he's dead. My father's dead. And, and I went, oh, my God. And I went down the hallway and she was in what then was Dodger, Elvis's grandmother's room. And I'm not sure where Elvis's grandmother was, but she wasn't in there. But Lisa was in that room and she was on the phone. And when she said Linda, I had to figure she was talking to my sister. So I just took the receiver from her. And I could hear Linda talking to her, saying, uh, "I forgot she had some pet name, gobbledygook or something." Uh, she and she was saying, "Oh no, I'm sure that's not true. I'm sure he's okay." And I said, "Linda, uh, I said, it I said, I think it's true. You need to come home." And uh, and Linda threw the phone against the wall. I could hear the thud. Wow. And then when she picked it up and she, and she began crying, you know, and I said, "Yeah, I don't have any details, but I I do believe that you know Ellis has passed away." And so that's that's sort of how that happened.
1: Yeah, Lisa and Linda must have had a very strong relationship. If one of the first people, if not the first they person, did. she rang was Linda.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know who she called, but mm. I, I, I don't know who dialed the phone for her. I'm ass- and I'm assuming that Lisa dialed the number herself because uh, even even after Linda tells me that even after she and Elvis parted ways in November of '76. Uh, for the, from then to the time of his demise, that that Lisa would call her, mm. that they would have phone conversations. So i must you know, I believe my sister. I think that's true. I I don't have any first-hand knowledge of that, but I'm sure that's true. Yes, because she was on the phone with Linda and in a room by herself. So, you know, yeah. But from there, it was a couple of days without sleep because we had to arrange for the funeral. I. Immediately got in touch with Dick, and Dick had been called earlier and had gone to the hospital to the morgue, and uh, was at Baptist Hospital actually uh, when Elvis got there. So, you know, we we just we partitioned our duties, and I took Graceland and and secured the grounds, and and he took the hospital and secured that and the morgue from you know any exploitation, and um, and we worked together with of course Vernon and and and, uh, and Joe Esposito and Priscilla of course. And, and we put the funeral on.
1: And there there was a viewing there was a viewing the next day, wasn't there? Seventeenth, I believe.
0: Yeah. Right, at the house. Uh-huh. And uh and that was uh that was uh well there was I think the public viewing was earlier and uh and, and that's when there's so many people were lined up in the street. And I think at some point we were supposed to cut it off and we just couldn't do it. There were too many people, so Vernon extended that and uh But uh, Dick and I stood there by the casket uh, all day long. We had the casket just inside the front door. And uh, so people didn't really come in the house. They came to the front door to view the body and then turned and went back down. But uh, I mean, it's a lot of different people said different things about that day, like how the casket was. And it was over there by the stairs and things. But that's not really true. Mm. Uh, It was just at the front door
1: and but, one, uh, one, of, one of the really disappointing things i've always been a little bit angry about was somebody actually managed to take a photograph of him laying in the casket
0: yeah yeah you know and and that's been the subject of a lot of, of investigation and speculation and the, the see the truth is is that two weeks after the funeral after elvis died i was back in uniform of the sheriff's department i mm-hmm. was the first of that inner circle to, to leave and uh and i went and talked to vernon about that and i you know and he because t- Vernon talked to me about staying on and, and running security at Graceland. And and I just and I don't mean to digress here, but I need to explain that. Mm. Um and I just told him, I said, that's that's really not something that I signed on to do. My my obligation was a personal one to Elvis himself. And 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 if he wasn't here, then then I didn't need to be here, you know. And so I, I had a position to go back to. So I talked to Vernon about it, and he was actually grateful to me because he, Vernon was a, a taciturn old fellow. You know, he was not really uh, publicly educated that well, and he was in charge of Elvis's finances, and he worried constantly about things like that. And he began to talk about how he didn't want to have to fire people and reduce the payroll and how I had saved him from some problems because I was leaving. And so, uh, but I, but to make a long story short, I wasn't part of any kind of investigation I think Dick Grove did that at Vernon's request about who took the picture and this and that I think didn't it didn't it turn out that they think that one of his one of his distant cousins took it or something?
1: Um, uh, I, I yes. don't really recall. Uh, Bobby Mann, I think it's either Bobby or Billy. Was I it? can't sure. Yeah, but it's, it's one of the Manns anyway. Yes, mm. um, he was paid but, by the, he yeah, was paid the, by the National Inquiry. They gave him a, a small Minox camera, and he smuggled that in and, uh-huh. and took the photograph. But uh, even in death, uh, Elvis couldn't have the privacy, unfortunately.
0: Yeah. Well, I can tell you that that was done surreptitiously because oh, yeah. I was there and I was standing right beside the casket and nobody had a camera in their hand. If they had, uh, they wouldn't have had it there long. And, uh, that just, that just wasn't. Yeah. So, uh, so however the picture was taken, it was done, you know, yeah. secretively. Yeah. But, yeah. uh, yeah. but anyway, after that, um, we, we were able to close the mansion up and then Priscilla had uh, her family there. And uh, a lot of the Smiths were there, you know, from Uh, Elvis's mother's side and so there was a private viewing and that's that's when you know uh, James Brown was there and uh, a number of other people you know some some luminaries but mostly just people that knew Elvis and loved him and his relatives and at some point into the evening Priscilla came to me and asked me she said can you you know we're we're exhausted because she had her family there her mother and father and they were staying at Graceland and upstairs and uh so they, she said, would you mind just, you know, gently asking people to leave? So I had to be the heavy. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so I had to go around and tell people, look, the family's here and they're really tired. Thank you for coming. But, you know, we're going to close the house down. And so, uh, that, that we did that. I did that. And then, uh, I, I drew the short straw. Dick, Dick went home to get some rest. And so I, I stayed that night and, uh, Spent the night next to the casket. My, my wife was with me, so she opted to stay. And I just tell people it was me and a pot of coffee, an 870 Remington 12-gauge pump shotgun. Yeah. And we sat right next to an open casket all night long uh, until about 6 o'clock the next morning when Dick relieved me. Uh, because there was a threat to steal his body. We were aware of that. and yes. The police department had told us that. Yeah. And uh, as I say, that was my personal obligation. I had a continuing duty to, to Elvis and to his family. So I, I I stayed up all night long and then went home and showered and put on a suit. And, and we had the funeral the next day.
1: What have you done since uh, August 77?
0: <laughs> well, nothing to compare to what I did with Elvis. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I went, I went back to the sheriff's department and then I, I went to law school at night uh, and uh, I had. I still had to work. I had two children and uh, so I uh, worked uh, with the sheriff's department during the daytime, worked in, mostly in the court system at that time and went to law school four and a half years and graduated and I became the sheriff's legal advisor, the first one they ever had for the Shelby County Sheriff's Department. And um, then I... I moved on and became uh, an assistant county attorney for Shelby County. Worked for Bill Morris, who was one of Ellis's great friends. He was by then the county mayor.
1: Yeah,
0: and uh, and then uh, Bill Mayor Morris appointed me as a as a, a warden of the local prison. I had I had developed an expertise in in, uh, in prisoner litigation, civil rights law. So um, he hired me to take over the county correction center and to. Uh, to bring it into compliance. And so I did that and I was there about two and a half years. And from there I was appointed as a juvenile court judge, uh, and, and for two years. And, uh, after that, I ran for judgeship in 1990 and was elected. And I was a, a general trial bench judge in the general sessions courts of Shelby County for eight years. So I retired in 1998 with 25 years of service with the County. Mm-hmm. And, uh, And that's when my sister was married to David Foster. And so David needed legal counsel for the record company that he had formed. So uh, I I went to work for him and I had an equity stake in the company. So I went to California and became the uh, business and legal affairs vice president. And that's when I negotiated the contracts with the Corps and Michael Buble and Josh Groban and many others. was in charge of international. We had that company for five years. And then Warner Music Group bought us out. And so, as an equity owner, I had a stake in that. So, um, I got, I got, a, I got, I got to pay out. And so, um, that was in, I think, 03. And I moved to Las Vegas to retire. And while I was in Las Vegas, I ended up meeting the governor, uh, which is, which was an Elvis story, by the way. And, uh, the, uh, the governor of, of Nevada had been a junior senator. At one time, and a friend of mine, Ed Bryant, was a senator in Tennessee. And when I was a judge, he he, he called me and he said, I've got a, a, several friends of mine that are senators and they want to see Graceland. Can you set that up for us? And I said, sure. So I met them and took them through Graceland. Well, this this guy was one of those senators. So many years later, I'm in Las Vegas and I bump into his chief of staff. And sure enough, uh he's the governor now. So I uh, set up a luncheon with him, and he said, you know, he said, I don't know if you want to go back to work or not, but, but I'd love to have you as a part of my cabinet. And so he made me the commissioner of transportation for the state of Nevada. And I did that for a couple of years. That was in charge of all the limousines and taxis, which is a pretty big job in Las Vegas. Uh, and, I, and then after that, I was appointed to uh, the Public Utilities Commission. I eventually became the chairman of the Public Utilities Commission for the state of Nevada. Uh, and I retired from them in 2011. That's 10 years ago, and that was my last paying gig, Steve.
1: So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, are you a, are you a man of leisure now? Uh, actually, I must tell I, I must tell everyone. Actually, we we share a mutual friend, Charles Stone. Charles was actually on oh, yeah. this show a few months back, and you yeah. you you meet up every Thursday, don't you, for Burger Thursday?
0: Yeah, well, we try to do it on Tuesdays, but it doesn't always work out. I, I play a lot of golf. I play golf about three days a week, and uh, uh, sometimes my golf games conflict with our burger schedule. But we meet once a week for sure, you yeah. know. Yeah, and I knew I met Charles, you know, in early seventies when I started going on tour because he worked with uh, uh, Tom Hewlett and Concerts West, and he yes. was you know in, in charge of the of the production of that. So known him a very long time and there's very few of us left it seems yeah so i i try to i try to stay associated with all of the old elvis guys i stay in touch with dave hebler i stay in touch with uh, uh, guys jerry chef and norbert putnam and james burton and glenn d Harden. i stay in t- and, and, and ronnie tutt
1: yeah i um i i also had uh i also had dave hebler on the uh, show as well about 12 months ago yeah. D- dave's a great guy actually i think dave just, is. uh i think dave's just announced today that he sealed uh, another uh, book deal i think so we'll be looking forward to that oh, next well, good year for him. Good yeah him. yeah good for him yeah yeah i agree yeah.
0: well I, you know people ask me what i think about this one or that one and i and i also get a- asked a lot about ginger you know but i, I read i almost didn't know her because uh I think there was certainly some um, um, discomfort there with me being Linda's brother and all from her standpoint. And, mm. and although I did try to just stay in my lane and not get involved in anything, I can fully understand where, you know, she might be suspicious of, of me, but, um, and uh, really without, without any basis, but I can understand why, why she would feel that way. But, you know, my story, my story is, is that we all have our story to tell from our perspective yeah. on God's green earth. You know, and uh, I think everybody that was around Elvis that had any any exposure with him, they're entitled to tell their story with and they're entitled to some respect in doing so. So I'm not one of these people that line up one side or the other, you know, with the Elvis people that this person did this or this person did that. Um, I love my sister and she has her story. Um, You know, they all they all have their stories and, and they should be able to tell them.
1: Yeah. I agree 100%. Sam Thompson, it has been an absolute pleasure speaking to you for the last hour. And uh, I'm sure uh, when the fans get to hear this as well, they'll get a great kick out of it.
0: Well, I hope so. And thank you, Steve, for calling me. and Aaron (laughs) Goldbraugh.
1: Thank you very much. Take care, Sam. (laughs) All right, brother. Okay. All right. Thanks again. Bye-bye. Bye. A huge thanks to Sam for sharing his memories of his time with Elvis. I think sam is a really great guy and i can clearly see why he and elvis became such great friends thanks for joining me on the show today and i hope you can join me next time for another episode from elvis the ultimate fan channel